Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome into GC Live Talking Tuesday Nights. Doing this at six o'clock this week, and let us know. Let us know if you like this. Doing it a little bit earlier. I know it's basketball season, and in the past we've just kind of rolled on through, keeping our show at seven o'clock. But maybe we'll move things up. You know, we'll fall back too. Did that a couple weeks ago, right? Fall back. We're gonna fall back too with the clocks. All right, he's in turn, Joe. I'm Mike Yuva. Appreciate you guys tuning in because. For a second straight talking Tuesday night, we're able to talk about a Gamecock team that's coming off a win. And certainly, when we look back to where this team was a couple weeks ago, we knew that in order for them to even get to a point where we're talking about, okay, maybe there's a chance, maybe there's a chance they become bowl eligible, they would have to win against Jacksonville State, and they'd have to beat Vanderbilt. Now, before we get into talking about this weekend's game against Kentucky. I get it. USC, on paper, they should have been able to do exactly what they did over the last two weeks. But, and Joe, I'm sure you would agree with me, and I'm sure many of our listeners agree too, that at least heading into these past two weeks, nothing with this team should have been taken for granted. Nothing should have been just an automatic layup, right? Or seen as that, just because of what we've seen throughout the course of the season. The injuries, the inconsistencies, the inability to do certain things, X, Y, Z, X, maybe being having takeaways or, you know, Y being not being able to play special teams as efficiently as we saw this past weekend. So it was good to see USC not just win these past two weeks, Joe, but especially this past week, finally put it all together and play a complete game. Having said all that, having said all that, we can take a look back to last week. We can talk about some of the things we saw. But as we do every Tuesday, and I'll give you the floor first, just your takeaways from today, whether it be from the players, whether it be from Shane Beamer, as the Gamecocks get ready to host the Wildcats of Kentucky. Uh, Yeah, Mike. I mean, I think this last weekend, the win against Vanderbilt was so beneficial to this team, right? I mean, practice-wise, they had had morale um, way up high, you know, practicing really good each week. And Mike, we talked about it a little bit on the walkthrough and a little bit on the post-game show, but when you're practicing really well and, you know, morale's still high, everyone's still bought in, eventually something has to give. And so it finally did for the South Carolina offense and defense on both sides of the ball against Vanderbilt. And so now morale is really high and they, they know what they have to do um, to get, get to a bowl. And I think, you know, everyone is all motivated and locked in on the same goal. Um, so that's, you know, interesting, exciting to see, I guess, if you're a South Carolina fan. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I talk about this every time we come on the show, but like, they're still bought in. I mean, no, 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 no changes in that department. Um, other than that, I mean, they're, they're ready for this. They know what's ahead of them. Um, you know, and they know Kentucky is no joke if, you know, you beat yourself up, um, you know, in the game on Saturday, but you know, they're ready. It seems like. I think to me, and it's not necessarily a surprise, but it's just something that stood out today. I know our buddy Hale McGranahan, of the big spur, he asked this question today. But talking to, to Shane and then also talking with the players about last year, right? Because heading into that game, going back to SEC media days of 2022, there was obviously a lot of 
a lot surrounding some of the comments made by Mark Stoops. Now, I know that Stoops downplayed and said, I wasn't talking about Shane, this and that, right? And USC downplayed it leading up to that game, saying, you know, oh, yeah, you know, he has a lot of respect for us. And what happened after the game? The sunglasses come out, the video comes out, Shane comes out saying, you know, oh, they made a comment, stupid sunglasses dancing, and they start playing Soldier Boy in the locker room. I bring that up because when asked about it this week, Shane was like, no, that's last year. You know, last year is last year. Now, having said that, is there a possibility the sunglasses come back out again if they win? Sure. Oh, absolutely. But I, I think the fact, and the players even talked about it, they're not even talking about that stuff. Yeah, the focus you know, is on truly it. last year. It's truly last year. So the reason I bring that up is because naturally, naturally because of what took place last season, I've seen it a little bit. I've seen it a little bit on social media. I've seen it a little bit on the message boards. I've seen it even, you know, depending on the SEC network shows you're watching, ESPN, it gets brought up more as a zinger than anything else. But it's truly in the past. Right, it's it's in the past. What what took place last year, that has nothing to do with this year. Now, you would be naive not to believe that Kentucky won't look at it a little differently, right? Try to use that as motivation, certainly for a team that has really struggled over these last couple of games. They've played some really good teams. They've played some really good teams over this last five game stretch. They're one in four in their last five games, but this is a team that needs something something to give them some type of energy. So again, I wasn't surprised by the comments more than anything. I'm kind of glad they're not talking about it because again, it has nothing to do with this year's team, nothing to do with it. No, Mike. I mean, it's kind of fading into, I guess, oblivion or lore, if you will, the sunglasses thing, obviously last year, it was a big topic of discussion. So it was kind of a motivation focus, but this year they understand last year's last year. And sure. If you win, you know, you might pull them out. Um, to kind of not necessarily dunk on him because you did that last year. The the message was sent and received um, last season. But again, it's it's always fun to celebrate a win. And, you know, if you've got them laying around, you might as well. Um, and, you know, if you do win, obviously you've got Clemson ahead. So you don't necessarily want to, you know, make beating Kentucky the best part about your season, right? Like you don't want to over celebrate mm-hmm. that one. You've got work left to do. Um, and, and it starts as soon as you get back um, to the facility on Sunday. So let's get right into it with the injuries. Offensive lineman Trey Jones for another week. He's going to be out to carry on Joyner, as Shane Beamer alluded to today. He's doubtful. Trey Knox was at practice today. And if you guys remember going back to last week, we talked about this after the game, but maybe some people were already mixing in a couple of adult beverages by that point because it was an afternoon game. And some may have been wondering, man, where was Trey Knox? I thought Shane Beamer said Thursday night at Carolina Calls that Knox was going to be playing. He did say that. He also said after the game, though, because of the weather conditions, on top of the fact of how the game went with USC being able to have control, especially once they got into the second half, they felt like it was in the best interest for Trey to sit that one out. Because, again, he's come back from a hamstring injury. Wet conditions, all it takes is just one little slip, and there you go. <laughs> you have a, you, you re-injure that. And certainly yeah. down the stretch, USC is going to need him for multiple reasons, not just for his pass-catching ability, which I get from a statistical standpoint. Maybe it hasn't been the numbers that some fans were hoping to see based on the hype that was surrounding him. But he's also been – dealing with an injury for the majority of the season, going back to preseason camp with that knee. On top of that, because of the issues that this offense has faced this year, right, the inabilities to be consistent with pass blocking, trying to figure out an identity from a run game standpoint, because of some of those things, they've also had to ask him, as well as Josh Simon, to do some other things that maybe they weren't hoping to have them do at the start of the year. They've had to make some adjustments to it. Um, I bring up the injuries, though, because without to carry on Joyner this week, and on top of the news that we found out last week that Juju McDowell is going to be done for the season, a broken collarbone. When you look at that running back room this week, and now it's, man, okay, you have Mario Williams, Mario Anderson, excuse me. But after that, 
you look at DJ Braswell, and Braswell's a guy who before last week, he only appeared in three games all season, plays last week, did some good things, especially in the receiving game out of the backfield, had a nice 30-yard catch, finished with two catches for 28 because lost some yards on a swing pass. But I bring that up because now Braswell is going to be likely thrust into a role where he's going to have to spell Mario. He's going to have to be the spellback. So I bring that up because when we look at the snaps from this past weekend, looking at the snaps from this past weekend, for the running back room, Mario Anderson played 30. And to give you an idea, there were 61 total snaps. 61 total snaps. Mario Anderson played 30. DJ Braswell played 15. Bradley Dunn, mainly in there for playing fullback. He was in there for Juju McDowell, two. And then DJ Twitty in there for one. Now, certainly, the injury to McDowell lifted Braswell up to play 15 snaps. But having said that, I am assuming that we're going to see more Braswell this week. I think we're going to see more Braswell this weekend. And as we've talked about before in the past with this young man, you go back and see the things he was able to do in high school, not just from a football standpoint, but from track and field and what he was able to do in the state of Georgia. State champion in both the 100-meter and 200-meter dash. He is a guy that has speed. Again, on that 30-yard reception that he had this past week, and you saw that speed, he nearly found the end zone on that reception. I bring that up because we've talked about wanting to try to find a different type of, you know, a one-two punch or honestly just try to find some type of punch from a consistency standpoint in the running back room. But without Juju, without DK, now that goes back to Braswell. And you saw DJ Twitty get in there a little bit, Bradley Dunn. Does USC, do they try to get creative a little bit with some of these packages? Not trying to get too cute, not trying to get too fancy here. Because at the same time, too, you don't want to do something where you're reinventing the wheel. right? You've already played 10 games. This is the 11th game of the season. You're banged up. You're going to have to find different ways to be able to get whatever you're looking for out of that running back room, despite the injuries. How do you do that without DK? How do you do that without Juju McDowell? Because Mario's not going to be able to go play every friggin' snap out there. You're going to have to change it up at some point. And the challenging thing is with DJ, Joe, to me, is while he has the speed, while he has the ability to run the football, and I'm sure he's continuing to get better adjusting to this speed, it's how much do you trust him right now from a pass-blocking standpoint? Because we talked about that with Mario Anderson, and I know some people didn't want to hear it. We've heard it from Mario. We've heard it's it from Shane Beamer. We've heard it from Dal Loggins talking about the challenges because it's not as simple as saying, hey, just go out there and block. It's understanding what the offensive lineman's yeah. assignments are, where the blockers are, where the guys are going to be like, coming that you have to block. That's the big adjustment for running backs in the SEC is handling a pass rush as good as pass rushes as you see in, in the SEC. Um, because, I mean, the defensive fronts that you're seeing and some of the stunts and, and blitzes are unlike anywhere in football. Um, it's the best of the best. So as a running back, you don't really rep out the pass blocking that much. Um, and when you're not the focus, when you're not the big man on campus, all hailed, like having the 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 offense kind of designed around you, you're going to have to get gritty sometimes. And so we've seen that, right? I, th- I think if Braswell can block, find a way to block and practice and – Get, get better at pass blocking in general, I think you know he will be a valuable asset to this team going forward. Yeah, so to answer, and, and again, we just mentioned this, but you may have missed this, Tommy. So he's appeared in four games already. Braswell's appeared in four games already. Those four games being the Furman game, the Jacksonville State game, the Vanderbilt game, and then there's one more that I'm missing. There's one more that I'm missing that I want to go back and pull it up just to make sure that I have that correct for everybody. But I bring these things up because, yeah, and I agree with what the comments are saying. At this point, you're going to have to burn his red shirt because you got to think of what's in the best interest of the team. I asked Shane this today 
during media availability. And Joe, I know you were there, mm-hmm. but the challenging part is when you're looking at preserving red shirts. Now, this is a rule that's been put in place, I think it's about five years now, that they added the rule that you can play in four regular season games. I know last year things changed a little bit with the bowl game, but for the sake of the conversation, four games of the regular season. The challenging part is, is you get to a point like this in the season, you're banged up to a point where it's not just guys being hurt, guys are injured. Yeah. And you have to try to figure out, okay, what are we going to do? What are we going to do in order to find a way to help ourselves out? Help mm-hmm. ourselves out. So I, I'm just trying to figure out what they can do, what they can do um, to get the most out of Braswell. Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to design the schemes, simplify it a little bit, like you were, like we were talking about with the defense earlier this season, right? Simplify it as much as you can, and all the checks too, because I mean, when you're coming up like that, you're not getting all of the first team checks like that. Um, so Braswell, I mean, that's another adjustment, but yeah, I mean, you try to rep them out as much in practice with the ones as you can, and you know, just simplify it as much as possible. Um, but yeah, the running backs are in a tough spot going forward. So let me say this, and I'm going to have to double check with our colleague, Wes Mitchell, because Wes has him down for three games. South Carolina has him down for four. So I apologize going back to this past week, and I was going back off of West, and West obviously is very good, so I'll have to double check to see if maybe West just missed the game. They have him down for four that he appeared in the Mississippi State game. So I say all that. Bottom line, he's been in four games this year. Okay. He pay, he plays in one more game. It's done. But like I was saying, as what Shane Beamer was alluding to today, you're trying to think about the future. You're trying to think about, okay, what can we do to be able to help ourselves out in the next couple of years? Is a guy going to help us now? more than, say, you know, four years from now if he preserves that redshirt year. In a perfect world, yeah, I'm sure South Carolina would love, they would love to be able to preserve his redshirt. But at the same time, too, you're in a situation where you also know when you're talking about trying to benefit the future, if you win these two games, if you win these two games, Joe, as we mentioned, then you get 15 extra practices. So it's not just about one player. And I'm not just saying this about Braswell. There's multiple players. I mean, you can look at Connor Cox. He's a guy that kind of goes under the radar, mainly because he's been playing special teams, but he's another player that will you know, likely also be burning a redshirt year. Again, goes under the radar, but because USC's banged up in certain positions, he's been called upon, and he's done, a, he's, he's done exactly what USC's needed him to do. Yeah. So, look, it's tough. Again, in a perfect world, yes, you'd want to be able to save his redshirt not just Braswell, Connor Cox, some of these younger players. But as Shane talked about today, and this is what we were talking about earlier with Lenora Sellers, which, again, at this point of the year, gives you the ability to play him in both these games without burning a red shirt. That being that you have an opportunity now to play him in multiple plays. With Sellers early in the year, like Shane mentioned today, you're not going to throw a guy out there and just play five snaps a game. That, that's just stupid. That's really dumb. Yeah. That's really dumb. Okay. This isn't video. This isn't Madden. Just throw a guy out there, five, five plays, get your couple, you know, QB sneaks, brotherly shove, goal line format. No, that's just dumb. USC didn't do that. And instead, they preserved his red shirt. You saw him go out there last week with the situation in the running back room with DK out this weekend. And even though Braswell will be in the mix. I've said this before. I said it last week, Joe. You agreed. Why not use him a little bit more in goal line situations if you want to take some of that stress away from sellers as far as using a big body back, right? And I'm saying big body back. I'm not saying put him at running back, but put him in the shotgun and allow him to have the ability to do a read option, right? Or just do QB power out of the shotgun in a goal line situation because you don't have that big body back right now in goal line situations in the carry on joiner. Yeah. And I mean, Mario Anderson can get between the tackles a little bit, but you want a guy with a little bit more length 
I'm not, I mean, I'm kind of calling Mario short, but you want, like Mike said, you want a bigger guy in some of those packages. Um, so yeah, no, I, I firmly agree. I think, you know, need the bigger guy also takes a little bit off of, uh, Mario too. Um, I know he, he's more than capable of scoring the football, but um, well, it's just that workload, right? Exactly. That workload yeah, that's exactly because, he can't, he I can't mean, do everything right. You need a little bit of a balance, right? It's not a he's out there system either. If he's out there leading you down the field, and I'm saying leading you down the field, if he's carrying the ball, you know, five, six times on a drive and he's getting you down into the red zone now, it's not just the five or six, five or six yards, or excuse me, the five or six carries that he has on that drive, depending on how many yards he gets. It's also the other things you're asking him to do, yeah, right? Pass blocking or going out for routes. So now you get down to the red zone. All right, think of it from a video game standpoint. I mean, honestly, just using it like just simple freaking terms. What happens if you keep using a guy over and over and over again? He gets down in the red zone. He could be a little gas. That's not to say he'd fumble it, but it's nice to have fresher legs out there. And when you don't have, again, DK right now, you have to find someone different. And that's not to say Braswell is not capable of doing it, but certainly the body types from Braswell can compare to Mario or even Braswell compared to a guy like Sellers. If Sellers is in a shotgun formation, again, having the option to do a read option or do some type of QB power, it gives you a different dynamic, number one. But number two, it also gives you the strength that you're looking for, that power as a spider comes right down on me. Um, but it gives you that power that you're looking for that. Unfortunately, you just don't have with DK being out. I know Joe, you're loving that. I got, got the the spider. spider coming down. I here, was trying on to me. hold it together. I was like, I can't let that slip. But anyways, back to DJ. <laughs> Robert says, didn't we go through this last year with bell playing running back? Well, again, when I'm saying, and, and just want to make sure, Robert, so correct me if I'm misunderstanding your question. I'm not saying put Sellers at running back. What I'm saying is using him now in a goal line formation where you can take Rattler off the field. The reason I was against that early on in the year is because I just didn't think it was worth it to put Sellers out there only having five, potentially six plays in a game in situations like that or in situations where it's third and one and you're trying to find a way fourth and one, fourth and two, and you're trying to get those short yarded situations. At this point of the year, though, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if Sellers only plays five or six plays. And the reason being is he's not going to go over that four-game mark. So you can play him in these next two games, and whatever you do with it, I mean, you're really playing with house money. It doesn't matter what happens as far as how many plays he plays. So I would take advantage of it because you have nothing to lose. You can also – it also gives teams like Clemson, right? Certainly Kentucky will be preparing for it a little bit, but it would give a team like Clemson something extra to have to prepare against. We don't know what's going to happen with carry on Joyner. Right, We don't know what's going to happen with DK if he'll be back in that Clemson game. I, I pray that he is because of everything he's done for this program, how quickly some, not all, but how quickly some forget about the Dukes-Mayo Bowl and what that young man did to help USC win that day. But I think whatever you got to do right now, you got to find ways to win. You got to find ways to win. And if you feel like putting sellers out there in those short yarded situations, which I know so many, so many of you were hoping to see earlier this season. You might be able to see it more now because, again, you have nothing to lose. You don't burn the eligibility if he plays in these next two games. Yeah, well, Will said they got to be careful. What if they win two games in a bowl game waiver? It doesn't happen again. Honestly, if that happens, Will, who cares? You know, I, I hear what you're saying, but who cares, right? Because once you get to the bowl game, and I know fans, when I say fans, I shouldn't group everyone. The majority of people, I think, would understand that once you get to that bowl game, you're achieving, you're unlocking that next level. And that next level is being able to get those 15 extra practices. I've mentioned this before. We'll get into it a little bit more if South Carolina does make it to a bowl game with some of the hypotheticals, because 
You think of a guy like Lenora Sellers. You think of some of these younger players, too, that will be back next year. How much valuable opportunities it would be just to be able to practice in these bowl games, never mind the actual game. Because, again, like you said, if the waiver doesn't get passed, which I think it will, I think that wasn't just the one-time thing that will happen. I think it's going to continue to happen. The reality being is that with the transfer portal, with just – the fact that players have the ability as top of, you know, being able to um, not playing the game, if they want to just sit out and get ready for the combine or just get ready for the senior, but whatever the case may be, I think we're going to continue to see it because it's going to be a trend that I feel like is not going to stop. It's not going to stop. So regardless, if it doesn't happen, let's say it doesn't happen though. South Carolina makes it to a bowl game. What's the worst thing? Lenora Sellers and some of these guys that have paired of four games, they don't play in the bowl game. To me, at that point, you don't play those guys. You don't play those guys. That's not worth it. Because honestly, years from now, especially if they're six and six and they're playing in Shreveport or whatever, I mean, a couple of years from now, you know what that memory is going to be like. And I know maybe Shane wouldn't necessarily say this publicly. It's a friggin' fart in the wind. I mean, that's what it is. A couple of years from now, no one's going to friggin' remember it. It's just gone. So being able to get to that bowl game to me, especially for a team that was two and six real young team going to be young heading into next year. Again, two on multiple in multiple spots, being able to get to that bowl game is more important than anything else. And if you get there, and they don't pass the waiver, then you worry about that there uh, when that time comes. But, yeah, I think right now, a guy like Sellers, some of these guys that are on that line where it doesn't matter, you play them. You play them right now. You don't worry about that bowl game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you, you try to get to the bowl game, and then obviously the practices help. But, um, I mean, if you get to a bowl game at 6-6, six and six, I don't know if you play all, all of your young freshmen – um, studs, if it's going to mean they're going to lose that red shirt. Um, so, yeah, Mike, I, I agree with you completely in that situation. So that's the situation at running back. And the reason why I bring that up is because, as we know, as we know, that has been a topic of conversation all season. Now, Mario Anderson doing some of the things that he's been able to do has certainly been able to give this, this team – not just that room, but this team, this offense, a spark that they needed. But I even mentioned this last week. When you look at the statistics, they're a little misleading. They're a little misleading. The reason I say that is because as good of a game as Mario Anderson had, and I'll pull up the numbers right now just to make sure I'm saying this correctly, remember this correctly, but as good of a game as Mario had from a statistical standpoint, the rushing attack really wasn't that great. It really wasn't. It's a little misleading. Mario had a 70-yard run towards the end of the game. And I I just bear with me here because I hate doing the whole, well, if you take this away, but if you take the 72-yard rush away, South Carolina, from a rushing standpoint, they really didn't do anything. They rushed the ball for 136 yards and 24 carries. 136 yards. On, on on 24 carries. So I say that because when you take away the run, that one long run by Mario Anderson, USC only rushed the ball for 64 yards on 23 carries. 64 yards and 23 carries. So I bring it up just because they need to continue to find they need, and it's not just Mario. I'm talking about the offense as a whole. When USC wanted to run the football, and we said this even last week against Jacksonville State, despite the fact that Spencer Rattler was picking apart that secondary. I get that. But when they wanted to run the football, Joe, just like this past weekend against Fandy, outside of that long run by Mario Anderson, outside of that long run on the first drive against Jacksonville State, also by Mario Anderson, USC wasn't able to do that. You're going up against a team in Kentucky where you can't be a one-trick pony, right? You can't be a one-trick pony. Some of the issues that Vandy was doing, some of the issues that Jacksonville State had too in the secondary. I'm not saying that Kentucky's defense has a bunch of All-Americans in the secondary. 
But I don't think it's going to be as simple if you're not able to run the football. That's why I think talking so much about the run game this weekend, it, it's, it's, it is going to be crucial. It is going to be crucial for them to be able to get some type of run game going because it's going to open everything up for Spencer Rattler. It's going to force an extra linebacker or safety down the box. They have to be able to run the football when they want to. I'm not saying they got to go out there and they have to try to run the football for 200 yards and they got to try to run the football every single play. But when you want to run the football, unlike these past two weeks, when you want to run the football, you have to be able to get things clicking. You have to, or else I, I don't know if they're going to be able to move the football the same way they have over the last two weeks. Yeah, it's going to be hard. I mean, uh, Kentucky's defense is really, really, really good. Um, you know, Decent at stopping the run. Um, their pass defense is not great, and I think it's what USC is really going to key on, especially with the um, absences that they have at running back um, in the situation like we talked about at running back. So, obviously, you're going to get make you know give the playmakers the ball. So it's going to be you know Spencer, Xavier, Gadamari, and Brown as well. Um, look for them to produce um, offensively. And again, like I, I think Dowell is going to steer away from running the football as much as, you know, he has been, um, if especially if you can get Spencer and Xavier Leggett cooking early. Yeah, Kentucky ranked 91st in the country for passing yards allowed. They're allowing over 241 yards passing a game. I, I think the thing to me that, again, why I want to see them run the football a little bit for two reasons. One, I want to be able to see them get something going because heading into Clemson the following week, you need to be able to get some type of confidence. You need to be able to develop some things that you haven't been able to do over the last couple of weeks because you certainly need to run the football against Clemson. Have to be able to run the football against Clemson to mix things up, to slow down that pass rush. Same thing with Kentucky, slowing down that pass rush. But the other thing too is Mark Stoops is the defensive-minded coach. And I'm glad Beamer brought that up today. And the difference this year in comparison to last year for this team, outside of the fact that they're playing here and not playing at Kentucky, that was their first time playing Rattler. That was their first time playing Rattler in a South Carolina system. Certainly the offensive coordinator has changed, but they also now know some of the tendencies that Rattler likes to do while playing for USC because they've gone up against it. It's not just what they've seen on tape. So I bring that up, Joe, because I've known coaches who, when they've had an opportunity to go out there and play someone for the first time, especially with different players, whether it be the quarterback, whatever the case may be, but especially a defensive-minded coach, they're able to catch them off guard with a couple things. And that's not to say that, I mean, as we remember, that was a friggin' slugfest last year. It wasn't like Rattler was going out there um, throwing the ball all over the yard like he did, he's done these last couple weeks. But I bring that up because I don't, I don't know if it will necessarily be as easy. I certainly don't think it's going to be as easy as it was this past week, but I don't know if it will be as easy as it was two weeks ago against Jacksonville State. For Rattler, and I think Rattler's done some amazing things. I think they're going to really focus on trying to take Xavier Leggett out of the game, which I don't know if they're going to be successful doing that because I think Xavier's just going to get his, which, oh, by the way, 51 yards away from moving into second all-time on USC's all-time single-season receiving list. But I think I think they're going to they're going to they're going to be ready. They're going to throw some things at. USC from a passing game standpoint um, defensively to try to disrupt that rhythm and challenge them to run the football. So again, I think USC will still be able to find success through the year because I think they've done some really good things this year, especially when at home. But if they're able to get the run game going when they want to run the football, which they haven't been able to do over the last two weeks outside of two long runs by Mario Anderson, one at the Jacksonville State game and then one this past weekend. You have to be able to get that going when you want to. You have to be able to get that, especially not knowing what this run game will look like in short-yarded situations because you don't have DK out there. 
Yeah. You got to run the football to win games, Mike, in this league. And you're going to have to do it against Clemson. Plain and simple. Plain Anything and simple. else, though, about this offense before we move over to the defensive side? No, nah, like, I mean, AB, AB really... found the end zone last week. Josh yeah. Simon got a little bit more involved. Simon and Trey Knox have been really, really good um, when, you know, South Carolina's needed a tight end to step up because they've been on and off the field um, between the two of them for injury wise. So I'm happy for Josh Simon getting the shine that he deserves. And then also, I mean, Trey Knox is doing good things too, both being leaders like Shane talked about today. Yeah, I mentioned A.B. I mean, man, it would be a hell of a game for him to be able to continue to build off of what he was able to do last week. Finally, finally, finally finds the end zone for the first time as a Gamecock. He had so much success, so much success finding the end zone his freshman year at Georgia Tech. And I bring that up because he was doing this even against a Clemson team that played in the national championship that year. He was finding the end zone against them. And if I remember correctly, South Carolina, they lost 38 to three. They weren't even able to find the end zone that day. So I bring that up because there's things that he was doing early on in his career comes here and it's just, it just hasn't flourished into what a lot of people I think were hoping were expecting. I still think AB has done some good things. It just hasn't been from a statistical standpoint. Tommy brings up Eddie Lewis Eddie Lewis, outside of special teams, he's really been MIA on at wide receiver. Now, the thing about that, which is interesting, with some of the injuries that have took place and with some of the younger players like Nicholas Harbour not really coming into their own until the last couple weeks, even though Harbour's played in every game this year, you would have expected Eddie to pick things up and be able to be that guy for them. But it, it just hasn't happened. So, to me, seeing that, what that tells me is they just – the consistency in practice. And I don't want to say he's not picking up the playbook and make assumptions there. But, I mean, the, there's things that you would just look at and be like, all right, if Eddie's not on the field, especially as an upperclassman, especially as someone that's played in multiple offenses, if he's not out there, then – it goes back on Eddie. I would say that about any receiver. Yeah, no, absolutely. You need to practice well to play. Um, so I'm assuming it's something in practice. I don't know if he's producing enough in practice. That's the assumption I'll make, but I don't know. And like I said, it's an assumption. So it's ultimately, you're right, Mike, it's on Eddie. And like Craig said, it's it's on Eddie. And I get it. Some fans, they don't want to hear, well, you know, there's guys that go out there, the NFL, the NBA. Well, guess what? This is college. This is college. And the other thing, too, is you're also dealing with you're also dealing with an offense that has been so banged up that you're trying to figure out different things where you can add maybe some extra protection that time. Whether that be putting two tight ends out there, whether that be putting a running back out there who at the time you felt more comfortable with and just doing things or even guys that maybe weren't able to create separation the way that they needed to in the eyes of the coaching staff. So there's so many reasons why when we're talking about situations, whether it be with Eddie, whether it be with any wide receiver, why maybe they're not playing as many snaps, but we've gone down that rabbit hole. How many frigging times this year, especially early on in the year? Why isn't Johnny playing? Why isn't this guy playing? Yeah. I will say this though, Joe, as we move over to the defensive side of the ball, Bam Scott, my goodness, talked about him on your show, the walkthrough on Sunday that he came out there and he just played out of his freaking mind. He played out of his freaking mind, had a nice sack, out there had he led the team in tackles 13 tackles seven solos he was just an absolute menace and the thing that really stands out to me more than anything joe about that we've talked about over the last couple weeks with the number of snaps a lot of the players have been playing from a linebacker standpoint that you've you really needed a guy to step up in that linebacker room so that you can say, hey, you know what, Debo Williams, Stone Blanton, like we can help you guys out. 
it's took a little bit longer, I feel like, for that positional group. But we saw that from Bam this past weekend. And my goodness, what a time for him to really step up and shine. Yeah, Bam Martin's got very big um, for him to step up uh, defensively. Scar brought it up on the postgame show. Um, there, Bam Martin Scott was one of those guys where you saw the athleticism and you know you were kind of waiting for him to kind of put it together enough to where he could you know make an impact um i think with mo kaba being hurt um this year i think he was you know kind of being brought up to where he would kind of be mo's replacement essentially for next year or you know look to be in the rotation a little bit more um next season but you know again i mean, we've seen it a lot this year where guys have gotten hurt and young guys have had to step up so that's the nature of this program at this point so i'm happy for bam to finally get it together yeah. and and, you know, be able to step up in a big way because he had a really, really good game. I think he led the team in tackles, if I'm not mistaken. He did, 13 yeah. tackles. Uh, Travis, I'll go back to the offensive side for you for just a quick minute because Travis says when A.B. arrived on campus from Georgia Tech, we heard a lot about his speed and quickness, but we have rarely seen it. But last Saturday was really one of the few times we've been able to see it on display by A.B. when he made that move on that Vandy defensive back and was gone. Hopefully this will be a jump start on a run for him as he ends the year. If you guys remember two years ago, his first year here, we started to really see when you mentioned times, Travis, because the other time that I really think about, and even before this past weekend was the Duke's Mayo bowl. The one that DK won absolutely bananas and going nine for nine. Even Kevin Harris had a phenomenal game. He rushed for about over, what, 180-something yards, 182. But A.B. showed some of that speed then. But that I mean, that was his best game of the year. And there just hasn't been that consistency, never mind the speed, but he hasn't been able to have the ball in his hands as much, so you're not seeing that speed on display as much. So hopefully we'll start to see it this week. I will say this. I will say this, and we'll get back on to the defensive side of the ball. From a numbers standpoint, and I had the numbers in front of me, we'll wait and see what the situation is next weekend against Clemson because there's a lot of factors that you're going to have to look at, one of them being the fact that, okay, South Carolina needs a win this week to continue to be bowl eligible. But from a snap standpoint with Juice Wells, Juice played 19 snaps against North Carolina. He played 30 snaps against Furman, and he played 10 snaps against Georgia. So if Juice comes back against Clemson, he still is under that four-game mark. I bring that up because, man, again, one step at a time. But if you have Xavier Leggett out there, you have a what you would hope at this point, a healthy Juice Wells out there. Obviously, it's pick your poison, but I think of a guy like A.B. underneath. Never mind the fact of having a speedster like Nicholas Harbor, but having a guy like A.B. across the middle. So if A.B. is able to go out there this weekend, and it doesn't even have to be anything crazy. I'm talking about being able to get four catches, four or five catches for about 40 yards. Four catches, 40 yards, and you're doing a lot of it across the middle. That's just going to put more tape out there for Clemson. And they're going to have to decide how are we going to match things up. Again, I I don't want to get too far ahead thinking about the Clemson game. But these are some of the things you start to think about. You're obviously trying to win a football game this weekend. But what you put out there on tape can help you out tremendously for the next week as well. And certainly if AB is able to do some of the things I just mentioned right there, not only are you going to help yourself out this week, but you could help yourself out the following week. Defensively too, though, Joe. This team continued to find ways to force turnovers. Two turnovers, two takeaways this past weekend. But what stood out to me was this. And we mentioned this last week as well. USC had four takeaways last week against Jacksonville State. They had two against Vanderbilt this weekend. I mentioned this stat last week. I'm going to continue to tweak it a little bit because I want to put the new numbers into it this weekend. Of those six takeaways... Of those six, if you include Stone Blanton's pick six, five of those five possessions on the ensuing offensive drive, again, throw Stone Blanton's in there after the pick six. 
Five have led to immediate touchdowns by South Carolina. Immediate points by USC on the next drive. The only ones that the only turnover that didn't was the one against Jacksonville State, which was OD's interception, O'Donnell Fortune's pick, which yeah. eventually led to two kneel kneel downs to end it. So I bring that up because what South Carolina's defense has been able to do over the last two weeks, this is the difference. This has been one of the main difference as to what we're seeing from them now versus what we weren't seeing for them since going all the way back to September 30th before the Jacksonville State game. Being able to force turnovers, it not only helps the defense, it's been giving this offense, which has been finding its rhythm, it's been giving this offense a much needed boost to be able to generate some of the points they've been able to do. Point being, you go out there, you force some turnovers this weekend, with the way that offense has been playing, in the way the offense has been responding right after a takeaway, if USC gets two takeaways this week and they're winning, they're winning this game. Yeah, no, you need a couple takeaways to win this one. I think, I mean, turnovers come in bunches. We're a firm believer of that over here. So uh, we've seen it the last couple of games, turnovers coming in bunches. So um, you would think that this defense generates a couple of them to, to get over the line, but um, I think it's what you need to do to win um, this game and the next one. The next one, you need a couple more turnovers than you would normally would because it's got to be a fluky game regardless. But yeah, I mean, defense you, generating turnovers is the first thing, and then stopping the run. If you can find a way, even disrupting the run game, don't let that kid get in, in, in into a rhythm and really just kind of disrupt it. I know Devin Leary's arm is is good; it's not the best um Kentucky quarterback Devin Larry but if, I mean if you can force them to kind of get out of a rhythm offensively and it's going to be hard too because they like to spread it out you know really take their time on offense so being able to disrupt that when they've got their foot off the, the gas pedal can be tough but I mean I, I wouldn't put it past this defense to figure it out Joe before we before we hit our ads hit our ads I do want to mention special teams because it was the operation time. And when I'm talking about operation time, for some of you that don't know what I'm talking about, operation time, the time between the center, the long snapper, and the punter, the operation time was much slower because of the weather. I think it was actually a drop on the one that Keenan Nelson Jr. blocked that he scooped up and brought back for a touchdown. Having said all of that, the get off sometimes can be much slower for one of your punt rushers because especially in grass. So it slows everything down, but missing out on opportunities, the two previous weeks and being so freaking close Jacksonville state being close against Texas A&M. And then you finally go out there and you do it. I'm not saying that South Carolina is going to go out and block another kick this weekend. Maybe they do, though. Maybe they do. But because you're able to actually do it, all right, it's one thing to say, oh, we can do this. We can do that. It's another thing to actually have it on tape. That's what South Carolina needed more than anything from a defensive standpoint. And we saw how that translated into the results they got against Jacksonville State, but how it also continued that momentum into the Vanderbilt game and what it did last weekend. I think regardless if whether or not we see another block kick this weekend against Kentucky, I think this special teams unit is going to continue to play better. You know, Kai Kroger, and I've said this before, he's took a lot of grief this year. And some of it rightfully so. But he also has been bouncing back, and he's been looking pretty good. I mean, this past weekend, two kicks inside the 20 at three punts, two kicks inside the 20, did his job, did his job. The USC special teams, we've said this before, in the past, we've never had to worry about them having to lose a game for you. And I don't think I would say when you look at the majority of the games this season, I don't think I'd say any of these games have cost them a game because of their special teams. But it's kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of like a kicker in fantasy football, right? 
yeah. or having a good defense in fantasy football. That could be the difference between winning or losing that week. And for South Carolina, for their special teams, when they go out there, they play well and are able to do stuff like this. Never mind the fact of what the defense and offense is doing because it was a very complimentary game in all, in all three phases. When they're able to play at the level that they played at this past week, in which I think I graded them out as a B plus because they had the high snap on the extra point and the missed PAT, it's going to be very difficult to beat this team. Very difficult. Yep. Travis is hitting the nail on the head. Um, it's all about confidence or D and special teams from missing confidence much of the year. Yeah. Conf- confident for me, at least confidence for all four quarters, right? I think we'd see flashes here and there, um, little blips throughout the game, but confidence through all four quarters. Now they're stringing all four quarters together down the stretch here. So I think that's good, but Mike, you want to talk about our sponsors now, finally get to our ads real quick before we give final thoughts. Yeah, let's get let's get right let's get right into it. Absolutely. So our first sponsor of the day, as always, our good friends over at Liberty Tax. Tax ID is an uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty Tax in Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time. If you're in a hurry for your refund, call in the tax team at Liberty Tax. Fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, talk to the Liberty Tax team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated, staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood. Open 99 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start the Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal, make an appointment, or just walk in, give a call to upload your tax documents, and when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. Give them a call at 803-462-5576. Once again, on your screen, 803-462-5576 for all of your tax needs. Today's program is also brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage. If you're in the process of looking for a home and trying to find the best rate on the market, you know, especially right now, and as it's been for the last couple months, those rates are extremely high. But Clint and his team do a tremendous job of finding the best rate for you so you can be able to find your dream home, just like our very own Wes Mitchell and his wife was able to do, as well as former Gamecock quarterback Perry Orth and his wife Shannon. Give Clint a call, 803-771-6933. Clint Hanneman is a longtime supporter of not just Gamecock Central, but every single one of these GC live shows that you see Monday through Friday. Give them a call and let them know that Gamecock Central sent you. I want to go back to this real quick. We'll have more about it next week since the game is next week. So I don't want to spend too much time about it right now because, you know, things can change. But according to our boss, the founder of Gamecock Central, Brian Shoemaker, he put a thread out there last night on Gamecock Central's board. I think it was around 830 last night. Um, yes, the uh, the rumors are true, or at least that's what our boss is telling us, that Donald Trump, former president of the United States, will be in attendance for South Carolina's game against Clemson next weekend. And like I said, don't want to spend too much time on it right now, but I'll say this, because I don't want this to go take a complete different turn talking about politics. Regardless mm-hmm. of where you stand on anything, where you stand on anything, the fact that you have a former president of the United States wanting to come to a football game, regardless of the agenda, whatever, the fact that he wants to come to this football game, it's going to bring more attention, which I think is always a good thing, especially the fact that it's at, it's at Williams-Brice Stadium. I think it's always a good thing. It's going to bring a lot of attention, positive attention. So, again, we can talk more about that next week. Hopefully we'll have some more information about it. Pretty cool, though. Pretty cool. Again, not everyone will probably look at it that way, but – like I said, the president coming to your game, it's pretty cool. That's just yeah. That's just I my mean, take he, on it. Former president of the United States, it's really cool when you can get him in for a game. Um, it's still the office still holds a lot of power and it's still really cool no matter who it is, really. Yeah. No. We'll we'll again we'll we'll get into it a little bit more next week. I'll take the uh the page out of Shane Beamer's book. He was asked about it today. He's like, We'll talk about it for next week. He's like, Yeah, we'll talk about that then. Yeah, uh, because he's like, he's like, I got a lot more to worry about right now. He's got focus Kentucky. on Kentucky. Focus on Kentucky. No, we haven't talked about this before we wrap things up. Darude's going to be in the building. Oh, yeah. Darude is going to be doing a concert before the Gamecock walk, and then he will be the celebrity starter. Now, I've been told that he – I think he's taking off, like, right after that, so I don't know how long he's going to actually be in the building. I was wondering if there was going to be 
like a DJ booth. We've seen that actually in the past at Williams Bryce Stadium. It didn't really work out that great. I don't know. I don't know. And, and I say it didn't work out that great because they didn't keep going back and doing that. I know that section now is another area where I don't know season ticket. It's it's those those are some fancy seats. You got monitors all over the place. So I bring that up because um, I think it's going to be neat though, and trying to give people an idea of what to expect on Saturday because they're like, all right, Darude's going to be there. What does that mean? So yeah. that's what at least I've been told what it's going to look like. I was also told, and if we get an update, I will give you one on Thursday. But they had talked to at least two bars about him performing on Friday night. One pulled out. The other, I think they're still talking about it. I don't want to throw names out there because I don't want to, you know, get people's business out there if they're not in a deal uh, yet. So. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if there's a concert, but we'll throw that out there because, you know, to some of you, you might be like, I don't really care about that. But to others, you might say, hey, that's pretty neat. You know, think of Sandstorm. That's become an anthem for South Carolina, not just for football, but for all athletics. So cool opportunity. Get Darude in the house Mm -hmm. so you can run the football. Um, So. (laughs) Oh, you're real funny. Real funny, Joe. Such a dumb joke. But, um, Um, I mean, it's kind of cool. Why not? One thing I do want to throw out there before we wrap things up, I did a story about it yesterday on Gamecock Central. So you think of where Xavier Leggett is on the top five lists for receiving yards in a season in program history. You have Alshon Jeffrey, you have Sidney Rice, you have Farrell Cooper, you have Sterling Sharp, and then you have Xavier Leggett. And then you can also throw Sidney Rice in there if you want to throw get the complete 1,000 club because Sydney did it twice. But at least the players that are ahead of him. The interesting part about that is, and I went back and I looked at this, Xavier Leggett is just the second Gamecock, just the second Gamecock to have at least 1,000 yards receiving through the team's first 10 games. How about that? And not only that, but he actually has more yards receiving through 10 games than Elshon Jeffrey did through his first 10 games, the year he set the program record with over 1,500. The difference, though, is that Elshon had an opportunity to not only play in the SEC championship that season, but they also had a bowl game. I think it was the Chick-fil-A Bowl later that month. So I bring that up because, look, regardless of where Xavier finishes out this season from a statistical standpoint, whether or not they have an opportunity to play in that bowl game, that third game. What he's doing this year is just stupid. It's just absolutely stupid. It's dumb. makes no sense based on what he's done over the last couple of years. Unless, unless you've been paying attention to what has been said, even going back to the spring from this young man, from his teammates, from the coaching staff. Some of the stuff that our call, my colleagues have put on Gamecock Central. But even that, even then, I don't think anyone could have imagined him having the type of season that he's had simply because no one expected Juice Wells to go down. And because of that, that wouldn't... If Juice doesn't go down... Xavier Leggett's not putting up these numbers this year. He's probably having a really, really good season, a really good season because he's talented and we're seeing that. But because of juice going down, next man up mentality, he's been able to take the torch and not just run with it, but he's been running upstairs with it. Yeah, RL, I will agree. Yeah, I think it is a little crazy that there are only 5,000-yard receivers over the 130 years. Um, But, yeah, Xavier Leggett is one of the dudes – um, he's one of them ones as coach Lucas likes to say, um, really, really talented. He's got two more games to improve his draft stock. And I would assume he's going to go to the league if South Carolina decide or finds a way to make a bowl, but that kid is really, really talented. And I'm happy for him for all his hard work for paying off. Like, I mean, kid like that, you hear everything about how hard he works and stuff like that. And you wonder, I mean, last season you were wondering, it's like, all right, is he going to get a shot? Is he going to get a shot? And he finally did this season with Juice being out, being the number one receiver. So stepped up, 
man stepped up and making making a whole lot of money for himself in the draft. That's for sure. No question about it. Well, if you missed any of our show, head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page where you can watch this show in its entirety. If you haven't already, subscribe today to the Gamecock Central YouTube page. Just hit that little alert button, too. It's free. And anytime one of these GC Live shows drop or any of our Gamecock videos drop on the Gamecock Central YouTube account, you will know and you'll be able to watch it. Could be a press conference, could be one of these shows, could be an interview like we did last week with ESPN's Field Yates. Dante Reno, Gamecock 2024 commit, you'll be able to see it all. And if you're not that big on YouTube and you want to be able to go back and listen to it in podcast form, head on over to the Gamecock Central Podcast Network where you can find not just this show, but all of the Gamecock Central shows, including the Garnet Trust Hour that appears weekly on 107.5 The Game and Chris and Wes and their appearances on 107.5 The Game. He's Intern Joe. I'm Mike. You appreciate you guys listening tonight. We will be back at it on Thursday when I do the GC Live afternoon drive. I believe Alyssa Lang will be joining us this week. Saw that stat out there that she's 0-6 in the last six games when she's been They were slandering her badly, man. Oh. We, we, we will not Catching take strays. Alyssa Lang slander over Catching here. Catching strays out yeah, here. She wasn't even doing the game. So we'll we, talk we, to we her. Stand for it. We'll talk to her about that as well. Everyone, enjoy your Tuesday night. And we will see you on Saturday night. South Carolina takes on Kentucky under the lights. That rude. The creator of Sandstorm. He'll be in the building. Gamecocks looking to keep their bowl eligibility alive, trying to win their third game in a row.